the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. That's why she's my baby, my baby, my baby, and of course I'll do anything for her. Anything she wants to show her, honey, show her. Got a short mouth, a short tongue. Give me, give me, give me some, but don't take the day. Give me, give me none. You got to work and deserve it. Earn it to own it. The one she got, so never ever gonna leave it alone. Don't take what's cracking off, forget and never been stood up your. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the My Pillow family. Time is running out right now to get those My Slippers. They're currently $49.99. Damn! You get those uh, Founders Group My Pillow prices since they've been canceled by Walmart. Mike's giving them to you at $19.88. Still got BOGO going on as well. Giza sheets, my towels, got some pillows in there as well. And a promo code steak at checkout on the website, mypillow.com forward slash steak. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear from the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Talking about how your baby's got sauce. Oh. Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies. Don't live in Canada. He's also got a five-star rating. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, Backs to Blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. When they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear for mediocre medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And last, but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Boom. Of the Zero Fucks Duck. Can be found at Dumpbox. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now 
via our verified account on True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 147. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's got sauce, and she's here as well. Hello. Guys, we got a great show. We're going to have an America First interview with a uh, candidate running for a U.S. House seat in CA3, Kevin Kiley. It's going to be amazing. In addition to that, we're going to be seeing now with the former acting attorney general for the Trump administration, Matt Whitaker. We've got coverage of the Trump rally and everything that happened over the weekend. So let's get to it. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's the former acting attorney general of the United States who served in the Trump administration. He's also an author of uh, Above the Law. He hosts the Liberty and Justice podcast as well. Mr. Matt Whitaker, thanks for coming on the show. Very glad to be with you guys. Sir, it's our pleasure. How's everything going on your end? It's uh, crazy and busy times we're living in right now. What's uh, it looking like from your angle? Well, from my angle, um, it's a good environment, uh, but we still have a lot of work to do. You know, I was in the last, I'd say, two weeks, I've been in Nevada, Missouri, Iowa, Florida, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, and, you know, after July 4th, I'm going to go back out and uh, do it again, uh, going all over the country, including Minnesota, going back to Iowa to speak to my uh, parents, home counties, uh, Republican uh, organization. So that'll be good. And then, you know, it is uh, I think I'm going to try to get up to Alaska and Wyoming as well. But, you know, obviously it's a great environment. It's just the question ultimately is, um are, is our conservative candidates offering what the people want? Uh, and every day, you know, it, the environment changes a little bit. I'm not sure if fundamentally uh, it does, but certainly it is a little bit of shifting sands. No, I, I get it. And that sounds like an extensive travel log. Uh, you know, uh, our listenership is dialed into the America First movement, obviously. So when you name them, a whole bunch of those states that you're going to be traveling to, we know that's going to be uh, probably supporting some of the America First and Trump-endorsed candidates out there. We, we saw you on the road a lot as we tracked you through the uh, success that the Lexalt campaign had on. Uh, Adam's a regular guest on the show. We just actually hosted his campaign manager for an update following the primary just last week. And uh, some amazing things, you know, we saw you, Rick Grinnell, Cash Patel, Amanda Milius, and a whole bunch of other people out there getting Adam over the finish line. He ran a strong campaign that really identified with the people in Nevada. Are you starting to see, as you go to all these different states and, and interact with all these different candidates, uh, a lot of the same message coming across that the empty shelves, the high gas prices, the ridiculous cost of energy, the open borders, the rampant crime are all contributing factors that are uh, having these candidates see a lot of success throughout the primary season. Yeah, those are clearly the national issues. Um, I think some of these uh, these late primaries are in August. Um, there's a little bit of discussion. Uh, you know, everybody's uh, for President Trump, uh, supportive of President Trump. There's no lane if you're, you know, anti-Trump. However, um, you know, there is a competition as to sort of who was there the earliest and how much have you done uh, for President Trump uh, while he was in office. I know, for example, is, you know, one of the places that I've been is Missouri and uh, helping a guy named Eric Schmidt, who's the attorney general. I know that when I was attorney general and at the Department of Justice, I could count on Eric, you know, to do uh, the things that needed to be done. And Adam Laxalt's another great example you know when i was out there you know adam and i have known each other uh for over five years Uh, we first met when he was the attorney general in nevada and we worked very closely on uh, the most important issues which is reducing violent crime in america uh, which we see now exploding in joe biden's america 
<clears throat> we're trying to you know address this fentanyl crisis, which obviously with an open border is impossible. Yeah. Uh, as we see, I think it may have even been in uh, in your neck of the woods where they you know pulled over uh, and confiscated just a tremendous number of doses of fentanyl and pills uh, that could kill you know hundreds of thousands of Americans. And you know it's just. I just, you know, it, it, the issues are the same. There's a little bit of, you know, local flavor to it, as anywhere. The food changes a little bit, and therefore the politics change a little bit. But, yeah, I would say overall uh, it's uh, there's a lot of people that, one, wish President Trump was still in office. Yeah. And, two, uh, know that all these crises we're facing would not have happened if Donald Trump was in office. No, you make a whole lot of sense there. I think— uh one of the big things I caught that you said, you know, some of these late primaries, one of the things that we're noticing, we've talked with several of the candidates who have been on lately about it, uh, you know, with a lot of these late July and August dates, um, you know, you start to see President Trump stack a lot of chips in his favor with House seats, governor's races and, and, and senatorial races. And now you have almost unrelentless attack ads coming and just made up stories against all these people who have like the later ones because they know if they can pick off a few numbers uh, before we get into the general election season, now's the time to do it. I don't really see it working. You know, we'll just give you an example of Arizona lately. Blake Masters and, and Carrie Lake continue to rise in the poll regardless of the, you know, unfounded attack ads that are coming. We, I'm pretty sure you saw, we all saw Carrie Lake take uh, Fox News to task last night and gave Brent Bayer yeah, uh, a little him. one back for that early call of yeah. Arizona in the 2020 presidential election, which was pretty awesome. And, uh, but, but, you know, it's hard. We, we've asked a lot of these candidates, you know, how do you deal with stuff like that? And they, they all kind of circle back to saying it, it takes a big toll on the family. And they kind of have to shield their young children or just children in general, even if they're grown. And then, you know, go home at the end of the day, kind of take a deep breath and go out there and know they're doing the right thing and hit the road again the next day. Yeah, and we're also seeing the Democrats spending a lot of money against the strongest candidates. And that's a real problem. In Illinois, for example, you know, the... Uh, the governor, uh, the current governor, Pritzker, does not want to take on a certain candidate, so they're spending to pr try to prop up his opponent, and that's just that's just politics. And uh, I get it. I think if you can't be in this game if you don't have a, a steel spine and you know sort of be willing to take a lot of arrows and a lot of shots. Um, at the end of the day, you got to be comfortable in who you are, comfortable in your own skin. You got to be authentic. I think you know, at least especially in my home state of Iowa. You know, they can smell a phony a million miles away. And so I think this is one of those things where uh, across the country, you know, we need authentic candidates that are America first and, you know, that ultimately um, are going to take our country in the right direction. We know the formula that works. It's working in many of the red states currently. Yep. We just need to implement that nationally um, and have the federal government take care of the things that only it can take care of. Right now, you know, national security is a challenge. I know you've had cash on. He's a, you know, talks about that a lot as to the current, you know, national security posture and the challenges we face internationally. But, you know, the border is the other thing that only yeah. the federal government can take care of. And right now they're offloading it on the states who are struggling under the weight of such a massive undertaking. Yeah, when you have a credible, and I'm air quoting now, news outlets like <laughs> MSNBC saying that the, you know, Customs and Border Patrol are running into approximately 8,000 apprehensions a day. Uh, when they're admitting that on TV this morning, it's kind of eye-opening because, you know, they've tried to pretend that it's not a crisis down there just as much as, 
you know, everybody else on the left has since the Biden administration took over. But I think that unfortunate event that we saw yesterday where there was a trailer of near 50 people who yeah. died from, you know, heat exhaustion and stuff. Yeah, they down have to address left. it now. Yeah, it's getting pretty bad, and, and it's certainly ugly. Matt, I want to kind of switch gears. We come off the, the sure. heels of a, of a big, uh, you know, a couple of announcements last week coming from the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, we saw the, the Roe v. Wade thing. We also saw the uh, preservation of the Second Amendment that stood up in the state of New York and then the, the right to pray, uh, which came down later on as well. Uh, what are some of the ways you see how that's all breaking down? And, right. and, and how do you think this is going to affect the, the judicial landscape moving forward? Because we're starting to hear murmurs that the Supreme Court may not be done. And we had uh, Devin Nunes mm-hmm. on on Friday who teased yeah. uh, there might have been some pushing back from the leaks that happened regarding the initial Roe v. Wade murmurings, which may have galvanized the conservative side of the bench and and helped, you know, get these uh, rulings over the finish line. Yeah, I think you can, the the, the entire theme uh, of this current Supreme Court is that they're trying to clarify uh, what the law is so that everyone can understand it and put it back, you know, as as I've said, move move constitutional jurisprudence closer to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in each one of these cases, you know, they have, you know, sort of looked at it like we would expect them to look at it, not find uh, rights that are not enumerated or listed in the Constitution. And at the same time, if those rights are enumerated, you know, protect them, um, you know, for example, like the, you know, the public prayer in Coach Kennedy case, you know, the Second Amendment, obviously the, uh, you know, this is something that, um, is any American can read the Second Amendment and see what it says and, and understand what it says. And so these laws, like the New York law, um, you know, are inconsistent with that individual's right to keep and bear arms. Um, I was, you know, this Roe v. Wade uh, overturning by the Dobbs case is, I think, I encourage everyone listening to go read it. Yep. You know, it's, it's approachable. Uh, it makes straightforward, common sense uh, it is it explains kind of what the law is, how how the court is supposed to interpret um, the Constitution, and then you know out lays out that you know sort of no matter how much or how strongly we feel, uh, I I don't feel this way, but I'm saying arguably how much we feel that the you know the right to you know kill babies in the womb mm-hmm. is a is a fundamental right. It's not in the Constitution, and so therefore our structure says it is. Uh, you know, left to the people and to their, you know, representatives in the states. And so I, um, you know, I think it, you know, these, these, these cases um, have been um, sort of revolutionary in the fact that they are putting things back to where they should have been all along before we took this long, uh, strange route to, you know, sort of over the last, you know, 50 to 80 years. So, this Supreme Court, you know, these these are the people that said that they would follow the Constitution. They're they're, they're in the footsteps of Scalia mm-hmm. and his, you know, sort of interpretational structure that really he introduced. Everybody agrees now, uh, and you can't read the dissent in Dobbs, for example, and not see that the left just uh, wants the Supreme Court to make law and and wants it to be a super legislature and to get around all those kind of you know finicky little rules we have like amending the constitution with a, you know, three quarters of the states and, uh, you know, having, uh, the people decide these issues that are not, you know, listed or, you know, uh, featured in the constitution. So, uh, 
I think it's a good day uh, in, a, in a very, um, you know, much cleaner system that this Supreme Court's outlining. Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see more meltdowns as now, you know, the rule of law is actually identified and disseminated to the public, you know, like you said, in, in, in a way where, where there's things that are controversial, like, uh, you know, the right to an abortion or, and stuff like that, and, and allow states and, and, you know, the, the voting bases there decide on whether or not, you know, what's fit. I, I think, uh, you know, we, we all saw last Friday how when it came out, if you turned on any of the legacy media news outlets, you might think that, like, abortion is, you know, like, outlawed yeah. by, uh, you know, if you got caught performing an abortion, you would be uh, put to death. Uh, that's the way they made it sound like it was a, it, you know, it was uh, outlawed worldwide. And we just know that that's not the case. We, we, we obviously try to educate our listenership. And then we, we put the entire 213 page brief out on all our social media so they can go and skim through that and see some of the parts that, you know, may or may not be confusing to him. So, you know, we are heading into the summer now, uh, Matt, and we saw the uh, obviously the ruling from the Sussman case in regarding uh, John Durham's investigation. You know, we yeah. talked about that extensively with, with, with Cash, and you know, we, we had uh, Devin on Friday, and we kind of we, we were going good, and then as soon as we mentioned Durham, next thing you know, he, he's dropping f bombs and and getting all fired up because he knows like you know that some of those uh, uh, hearings need to get out of D.C. We got the Pachenko case that's coming up here soon. Uh, outside looking in, what, what are you seeing on this case moving forward? And, and, and you know, do you still have uh, – we still have faith in, in the John Durham investigation and all the stuff that they've already uncovered, which, you know, even though you don't get uh, convictions, at the end of the day you still can connect the dots and put it in black and white for all the people to see. But moving forward, what, do you, what are you looking to uh, kind of come from this? Well, Attorney General Barr's uh, instruction to Special Counsel Durham was to uh, investigate the origins of the you know Russian collusion fable, and I think he has done an exceptional job of telling that story, both through his court filings and you know his his trial practice. Um, the Sussman case, uh, there's no doubt to me that's what I would call a jury nullification. That you know they proved their case, they proved that he did exactly what they alleged he did. And the jury, um, you know, decided that they didn't want to criminalize that. And you saw the quote from the foreperson, I believe, that said, you know, essentially, why are we wasting our time doing this case? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is concerning that, uh, you know, our fellow citizen wouldn't just take their job as a juror uh, and his role in our, you know, judicial system more seriously and, and to actually ponder you know, what this stands for, because ultimately, you know, this was the most successful uh, misinformation, disinformation campaign ever launched uh, by any human being. And I have to, you know, I, I, I don't want to sound simple, but I think I need to remind people that, you know, when they're, you know, accused that sort of Russia interfered in our election, the answer is yes. Russia interfered with our, with our election. They bought Facebook ads to, my understanding, is about $70,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they tried, like they do every two and four years, but especially every four years, to affect the United States election. The United States uh, equally uh, does similar things in other countries. That being said, uh, the, the disinformation campaign was not that. The disinformation campaign was the Hillary Clinton campaign together with her lawyers and her outside Apple research firm developing a narrative that 
Donald Trump's campaign was colluding, was interacting, was communicating with uh, the Russian government. Now, uh, you know, that, that didn't happen. Uh, but if you remember the sleight of hand that the, you know, I think you called it legacy media, mm -hmm. mainstream media, whatever you want to say, did with collusion and interference and merged those two things to essentially make people believe that, you know, that, that while A was true, B wasn't, but they wanted you to A plus B equals Donald Trump's a Russian asset. Um, it's disgusting. Um, I, when I took over the Mueller investigation and found, you know, the first thing I was told was that there was no connection between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. And, um, you know, it's, it was pretty obvious to me that it, it had been an entire waste of time, money and effort. Um, you know, people's lives were destroyed. Um, and, you know, good people, uh, were, uh, slandered and painted with a, you know, broad brush of being, you know, somehow complicit in that conspiracy. It's disgusting. Um, it's, you know, the shame on the media. I mean, there were, there were Pulitzer Prizes won by the Washington Post and others, uh, awards given out based on covering a fake story that they were so lazy they couldn't investigate. And it's, it's you really... Um, do you have to give those back? Very <laughs> troublesome. Yeah, where do I go to get my reputation back? Um, I don't know. It, it's, you know, I have, um, it's it's sad that the drive-by media takes advantage of uh, the inability of the American people to focus on all the information and do their own deep dive. And, and they paint with, um, you know, clouds of nonsense so that it looks like there is something there. When in this case, there was nothing there. And, and you know, it, having been in the first couple of years of the Trump administration, I saw how it really uh, made it difficult to operate, especially at the Department of Justice, but really across the entire um, executive branch. And it's, you know, I know it's going to happen again um, because this is what the left, the left has found a new trick with which they will keep doing it. Because remember, while... Armies fight the last war, campaigns fight the last election. Mm -hmm. So this is going to certainly be used again. And we need to call them out. And we need to use outlets like, you know, your show, my show, Liberty and Justice, and others to, you know, kind of, you know, continue to share the truth. Because ultimately, um, you know, we were lied to. Uh, yeah. I saw it, you know, firsthand, and, and it was disgusting. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because just last week we played a soundbite from over the weekend, week before, of uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, more commonly known probably to you as Watermelon Head, um, he he was Schiff. Yes, he was yeah. he, he was back running the weekend news cycle last weekend, saying that he has incriminating evidence that will eventually lead oh, to an God. indictment of President <laughs> Trump for January six. However, he can't release it on television yet because he doesn't want to get ahead of the investigation. It sounds like the exact same things he sounded during the the RussiaGate scandal, and and it, the legacy media is letting him get away with it again. Oh, and people still reference the RussiaGate stuff, like like well, you know, Trump including. The Russian. It's like you you realize that was not true, right? Like, wow, he was impeached. It's like, okay, well, and that's a lot of our guests who worked in the former administration come on the show, and they said, regardless of what you know, everyone's done to bring the truth to light, that there was no collusion, there was no, you know, yeah, the damage is done because the general public is never going to change. Idiots that yep. just like, oh, I heard this on the news, therefore it's true. Yeah, or they just don't follow it enough. Um, so. 
All right. Well, I, can I comment about Adam Schiff? Yeah, please do. Yes. <laughs> or or as uh, yeah, President Trump has has uh, put on True Social, Adam Schiff. Um, <laughs> with SCH. SCH. Um, so he, um, he has no credibility. No. He represents, obviously, one of the most liberal parts of our country in sort of Hollywood and, you know, outside of Los Angeles, uh, which, as we all know, um, you know, that uh, California is generally um, not in good shape and is poorly led, um, you know, and now it's going to be a uh, abortion tourism state yeah. uh, where uh, which just is, is, is troublesome on so many levels. But, he, you know, Adam Schiff should never be allowed um, by another Republican-led Congress to be on any committee. You know, if, if, if they're going to uh, ban our people uh, like they do now from being on committees, you know, he should be treated the same way. He's proven to be a habitual liar. He manipulates friendly outlets um, with false stories. And it's, you know, it's disgusting. This guy is um, what's bad about American politics. And, you know, the we are not, as I often say, you know, um, we're not a better country if more people sm- smoke marijuana. Uh, equally, we're not a better country if there's more people like Adam Schiff that are elected to public office. Great point. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, we hope after the midterm elections that he's removed from everything he's working on and then he can go talk on as many Sunday morning talk shows as he wants to make stuff up that just, you know, right. we all know is completely not true. Well, you know, the camera adds 10 pounds to your head. <laughs> okay, like that. that's, well, <laughs> come on, guys. That's hitting a little close to home yeah, here. Hey, I have, a, I have a giant head as well. We have the same haircut. It, I, it's much more... Uh, efficient aerodynamic you know it's uh, it reduces drag yeah i like it um one of the next things i wanted to touch on it's about the the, how much the doj has changed in just the last year and a half obviously there was uh, a lot of pushback from the administrative state when you guys were in there because you guys were literally cleaning house you were doing actual investigations you were working on things that were important to the american people um we saw on day one of the biden administration all of those good working ceased if you weren't fired you left and now we have pretty much, you know, everybody likes to use the catchphrase weaponized DOJ. We literally have one now. I mean, they're going after parents. They're they're just kind of uh, making stuff up in regards to January 6th. We saw things, you know, all the way up to like what happened with John Eastman last week, which I think is completely unprecedented uh, as far as like, you know, witness intimidation and trying to get people to flip on, on Donald Trump. But when you see how much... The Department of Justice has changed in just the last 16, 17 months. How much does it, number one, concern you? And number two, what do you think we could do to get this thing uh, back under control? Well, it's very concerning. And I have uh, always believed that the people at the Department of Justice wear the white hat and they do justice and are impartial. And, you know, sort of when you've when you've been there, especially as a U.S. attorney, you understand how to do that and how to, you know, make sure that you are above criticism, you know, for being a partisan uh, in your in doing justice. However, this Department of Justice under Merrick Garland is an instrument of the Democrats. I mean, you, you know, you just you, you can't ignore the fact that essentially the Department of Justice is concurrently investigating, you know, January 6th with Congress. And they are, you know, essentially colluding and collaborating um, in what they're doing. And I can't 
you know, I'll be very interested as to, you know, where this Department of Justice criminal investigation goes. Um, but what I know so far is, is you know, they are just uh, rotely going through all the witnesses, um, you know, that Congress is investigating and just doing their own investigation, uh, you know, side by side uh, without like kind of appreciating that there's no counter programming. There's there's no defense you know, sort of uh, loyal opposition or cross-examination of any of these January 6th uh, witnesses or the the narrative or, you know, kind of their made-for-TV um, uh, shows that they're putting out there. Um, in fact, I think we have one coming up. And I, uh, I you know, I, I think the Department of Justice has lost its way under Merrick Garland. You know, they are literally focused on what they're calling domestic terrorists, which some people would call parents going to their children's school board meeting yeah. and voicing their disagreement with some of the policies that they've implemented. Uh, they're, you know, another priority of the Department of Justice is airline passengers uh, that didn't want to wear masks uh -huh. um, and the like. And so, uh, you know, I, I am, uh, I don't, you know, and the thing that I, I explained to folks, um, and you know, is that this is a, a matter of allocation of resources at the yeah. end of the day. You know, if you're doing school board meetings, then you're not doing violent crime in our major cities. You know, th there's only so many FBI agents and ATF agents and DEA agents and U.S. Marshals, deputy U.S. Marshals that can do the work of the Department of Justice. And so if you take some off of that, then you end up taking them away from, you know, other priorities, which they should be working on, which is, you know, fentanyl trafficking, human trafficking, um, you know, uh, runaway murder and violent crime in our major cities. So many things that the Department of Justice should be focused on. And that, you know, quite frankly, when I was at the Department of Justice, we were focused on. Yeah, you make a whole lot of sense there. You know, we've always called, at least on this show, Merrick Garland, a revenge hire. We all know how... Uh, former President Barack Obama and everybody in his administration felt after he was blocked from getting uh, even hearings when he was nominated for the Supreme Court. And he goes out and acts kind of, you know, like he doesn't know what's going on, but we know extremely well how brilliant he is, uh, you know, you know, book-wise, and that he's probably at the direction of a lot of stuff's going on there. Plus, you have people that are just bitter to the prior administration who are now running what off the reins, which leads me to my last thing. You started to mention it. Now, Back in 2017, maybe a little bit earlier, we saw Barack Obama, who we consider one of the most divisive presidents in the history of the United States, really draw a line between the public and law enforcement. Um, the, the phrase back the blue became like almost taboo. Now, we, we back the blue here on Steak for Breakfast. We love our men and women in law enforcement and our first responders. But during the course of the Trump administration, we saw Donald Trump put a big Band-Aid on law enforcement to the nation and really put them back where they need to be out protecting the people out getting the credit and some of the things they deserve. And listen, is every law enforcement action that happens across the country perfect? We all know it's not. Mm -mm. But but for the most part, the way it was ripped down uh, around 2017, and it seems like we're getting back there now even worse. Um, it, it just, especially in our historically, you know, big cities in the United States, the Philadelphia's, the New York's, Los Angeles, ones of significant importance, They've all kind of just gone to crap over over the last decade, decade and a half. And now with, with crime is running rampant, places like Chicago and St. Louis, it doesn't seem like there's a legitimate answer to 
kind of get the wraps around this. Uh, there's a whole new level of law enforcement now. We saw some of the things, you know, with the confusion and, and you know, use of force applications, even as it most recently is the tragedy that happened in Uvalde where, like, people are so concerned about doing the wrong thing uh, that they don't want to just run blindly into the, you know, fray to save people like police have historically done. There's going to be have to be a long rehabilitation period for this country to start getting, you know, their appreciation for law enforcement uh, back to the forefront. And, and in turn, we're going to need to see some like mayors and district attorneys and, and D, uh, you know, people like that get into these cities and really start uh, making them safe again. What are some of the things you think that need to happen to kind of get law enforcement back at the fo- forefront and get some of these cities back under control? Because a lot of them, like for the most part, we talk to a lot of people who live in like New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Los Angeles. They're unlivable. Uh, you know, people like go from their job to their house and from their, their house to the grocery store and their house to the gym. And that's about it. Like walking around at night, like social, like you don't know if you're going to get pushed in traffic, thrown on a you know subway track. It's just crazy the way it is right now. Yeah, and the numbers bear that out. I mean, we we're in the middle of a crime spike, and a lot of it, you know, has been described as, uh, you know, either being the response of Ferguson 2.0, some yeah. call it, Minneapolis effect, whatever you want to call it. Um, ultimately, when law enforcement doesn't feel that they're supported by their political leadership, uh, then they're not going to, you know, go out there and do the proactive policing uh, that's required. Remember, you know, we, I don't, again, I, I'm an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. I always will be, you know, I think by and large, you know, sort of with with very few exceptions, the men and women of law enforcement um, do their job honorably and, you know, with great effort and, and, and a human uh, expense as well. I mean, yeah. they see people only on their worst days, you know, they're not interacting the, uh, with the people um, you know, that are wildly successful. You know, they're dealing with people in crisis oftentimes. Um, and so, you know, the political support is important. In the Trump administration, we went around, I went around when I was uh, attorney general as well, making sure that all the men and women of law enforcement understood that, you know, we had their backs and they had our thanks. And they, you know, I still get a lot of, uh, um, you know, appreciation from law enforcement. Yeah telling me that we had changed the tone from Washington, D.C., and that, I think, was so important, such a, uh, a breath of fresh air. You're right. We have gone back to the, you know, sort of uh, anti-police rhetoric that we saw for eight years of Obama. And, uh, you know, these, you know, it's going to be a, a lot of hard work. You're going to need people coming back uh, in a new administration, a new Republican administration, and putting that genie back in the bottle. And I just think um, it can be done. But it's getting harder and harder, you know, the recruiting for law enforcement agencies is continuing to be difficult, getting people to make a career out of law enforcement. And remember every day uh, that a police officer, you know, suits up and, and goes to work, you know, they understand that it could be their last day and they do it out of, you know, a service. Uh, they certainly aren't doing it to get rich. Um, and they, you know, love their fellow human beings and they want to protect their communities. And, I think we need to start being more appreciative of the fact that they're willing to sacrifice that. I think we need to encourage people for law enforcement as a career, uh, which is something that I'm, uh, you know, going to work on in the future. And you know, ultimately, we, you know, law and order is uh, is the most important thing that local government, that plus education, yeah. you know, what the states and cities and communities need to do. And if they're not 
delivering law and order, right? You know, I think there's some politicians that are going to have to pay the price for that because this is squarely on uh, city councils and, and mayors um, and their failures uh, to actually uh, support law enforcement and to, you know, make sure that they're, um, you know, doing their job uh, and are given the resources to do it. No, you make a whole lot of sense there. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a long process back, but there are a lot of people working out. You know, Donald Trump took a, some great photos with the people in Illinois the other day when he stopped for his rally, the men and women of law enforcement that were there to support him. And I just Call think that. it's, yeah, it's just a reminder that, you know, and, and you made it sound great. A lot of these people don't understand, like, for as much as they might not like or appreciate law enforcement or don't really comprehend, they do only see the people on their absolute worst of days. And you know, as cliche as it sounds, every time they walk out the door, it potentially could be the last time they come back, especially in this environment. And the people uh, that don't live in it right now. Yeah, I mean, the people that dislike law enforcement, they'll still call them when they need them. Yeah, yeah. when they get stopped by the uh, usher at Walgreens that won't let them out the door with all their <laughs> stolen merchandise. <laughs> no, it's the truth. You know, Mr. Attorney General, this has been awesome sitting down with you the first time yeah. today. I, we're hoping that it won't be the last. I, I hope you had a great time, you know, having a conversation with us. We obviously uh, have a bunch to talk about, and we'd like to do that at some point in the future. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit later in the summer or into the fall, invite you back for uh, another edition uh, with us. That'd be great. If you want to let our listenership know all the places that they could find you, yeah. uh, your podcast, uh, obviously your account on True Social website if you got it, and we'll live link it in the show description yeah. today. Yeah, thank you. I think most of uh, almost everything I'm doing uh, can be found at uh, Whitaker.tv, W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R.tv. Um, and that's where, you know, my podcast, the videos from that, all the op-eds I write, uh, all my television appearances, all, all are posted there. On social media, whether it's Truth Social, you know, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, I'm uh, Matt Whitaker 46 uh, which was my college football number. Everybody asked if I thought I was going to be the 46th president. I did not. Um <laughs> But uh, Matt Whitaker, 46, on social media. And then, you know, um, just really appreciate the time. This is, uh, I've been trying to make this work. Uh, you guys are much more, uh, you know, liberty and justice. I schedule my guests sometimes, uh, you know, a day or two in advance. You guys are like, you know, prepared scheduling guests ahead of time. I need to figure that out myself. <laughs> well, you know what? It would probably be a lot easier if you called somebody to get them on your show in right. advance than it is for us. But But we're working on it. We're working on it here. We're trying to build a little bit of a reputation. It's been three years coming, and we hope to continue to do that all the way up. Good. Well, keep grinding, man. It's, uh, you know, I'm sure if your growth has been anything like my show, Liberty and Justice, you've seen uh, almost exponential it. growth. There's a, a strong desire for long-form discussions where people can be themselves and not have to speak in sound bites. Nice. We're going to be breaking down the Trump rally in this episode, too, so we're getting like a two-banger here. It's going to be a good one. Um, this is the former acting attorney general of the United States. He also played a little football at the University of Iowa. Mr. Oh. Matt Whitaker, thanks for coming down on Steak for Breakfast today. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care, sir. There was a Trump rally this weekend in Menden, Illinois. Ever hear of it? No. Me either. But there was a lot of people there. They broke record for crowd attendance. I see what he's doing now. He's going to these Just utterly the most random remote, places. Yes, and shattering their attendance records, which is probably in usually the single digits. And having there was a lot of people at this rally. Though. Well, it depends if there's a Jeep dealership. No, true story. No, we're not talking about him. We're talking about the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Got him. Big rally there. Uh, we had some... New material and some old material. We're going to be bringing it all to you now. We've got 10 big audio clips here. It was hot out. There was thunder. There was lightning. And uh, there was fire coming from 45. Uh, he wanted to remind everybody right off the bat 
um, just about who the worst president of them all is. You could probably <laughs> imagine by uh, turning on any news outlet recently. But let's have Donald Trump tell you. Just two years ago, with the way it is today, today it's not doing too good. There was no inflation. The war with Russia going into Ukraine would never have happened, ever. Never would have happened. And it didn't happen, did it? We had $1.87 per gallon gasoline. We had energy independence, and very soon we were going to be dominant with energy. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia combined by a lot. We were leaving Afghanistan with dignity and strength, not surrender and death. We had a completely rebuilt military with the addition of something that hasn't been done in 78 years. That's the addition of Space Force, not since Air Force has this happened. I like it. So we had Air Force 78 years ago, and now we have Space Force, and it's going to be very important. We had the biggest tax cuts and the biggest regulation cuts ever in the history of our country. We had job numbers of 164 million people working. That's far more than we do today. You know, you read about these phony numbers about uh, unemployment. That's because people aren't looking for jobs, so they bring them way down. We had 164 million people working. You don't have anywhere close to that today. Joe Biden is the worst president in the history of our country. <laughs> He's turning out to be a combination of Jimmy Carter and Herbert Hoover. That's what's happening. Hmm. Good old Herbert Hoover. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. So, yeah, it, it was pretty good. Like I said... Historically, Donald Trump doesn't do well in the heat, uh, he, you know, because he always wears the suit and tie, and uh, he's a bigger dude. But um, he, he actually brought an A game. He, he really uh, didn't seem tired or drained. He, he got good rest and was probably uh, full of d- Diet Cokes. But, you know, he, he brought the, uh, the fire. So it, it was good to see that. You know, he brought his A game to this rally because in places like Illinois, for the few major candidates that he's backing there. We need to win some of these. Uh, Before we get into that, he did talk about the historic and landmark verdicts that came from SCOTUS, everything from the right to pray to the Roe v. Wade and and a little bit of 2A in between. Um, And and he touched down on uh, several of those issues. Let's hear him weigh in on it. That's some very big news, don't we? We have very big news. Maybe the biggest... Mm. Right from the United States Supreme Court, yesterday the court handed down a victory for the Constitution, a victory for the rule of law, and above all, a victory for life. This breakthrough is the answer to the prayers of millions and millions of people, and these prayers have gone on for decades. For decades and decades they've been praying and now those prayers have been answered to the generations of Americans in the pro-life movement as well as countless constitutional conservatives. Your boundless love, sacrifice and devotion has finally been rewarded in full. Congratulations and great. Antoinette, what do you think? The promises caped? from President Trump again? He's kept, yes, I definitely think so. And um, I think it's only just the beginning, to be fair. I mean, that's just my opinion. 
this is happening under Biden. So we shall see. Yeah, there are there have been rumblings coming out of uh, people closely associated with the Supreme Court that Clarence Thomas and the gang are are just getting started. They're getting the band back together. Yeah, in regards to uh, weighing in on a lot of these constitutional inconsistencies that we've lived under in this country for a long time. So uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to see moving forward. This is like a nonpartisan pushback to the radical progressive agenda that is the Biden administration. Um, you know, people always say things are unconstitutional and they're actually weighing in on things now that uh, bring those back to the center. So I think it's uh, pretty good to see them working as hard as they do, but um, that doesn't go without saying that the Supreme Court has been under quite an attack from the left wing uh, since these rulings came down. You know, Mm -hmm. we've seen them threatened in their homes. I'm sure you guys have all seen on social media, especially Twitter. Some oh, of people the, are posting addresses on social media and stuff like that. I, I saw hundreds and word. Yeah. Hundreds of tweets where it's like full on full word, all caps, hard R and bombs. Yeah. Like whether they're going to say he's a house, whatever, or mm-hmm. field, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. That's, uh, and people are saying like, I'm trans. So I'm allowed to say it. Clarence Thomas is an <laughs> bomb. Like literally those are some of the tweets. Is that how that works? Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> How dare us. Crazy. It's insane. But you know what? I love it at the same time because it just shows exactly who they are and who the real racists are. I identify as not a racist piece of shit because, <laughs> I, because I'm also not. Not. <laughs> no. Not not. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I don't know where we're at right now. Well, we're going to talk about the uh, attacks <laughs> that the Supreme Court have come under. And uh, President Trump weighed in on that as well. We want to commend the justices for standing strong in the face of outrageous threats and even violence. You've been seeing what's been going on. There's never been a time like this. The left-wing campaign of terror directed at the Supreme Court in recent months is unlike anything in the history of our country. The attempted assassination of Justice Kavanaugh, the illegal intimidation of justices' homes, and the radical left's violent terrorist attacks on pro-life centers were a frontal assault on our republic. That's what they should be investigating. Mm -hmm. This was an organized and concentrated effort to threaten the court and interfere with its decisions. But the justices stood their ground against these extremists and these terrorists, and they did not back down. Congratulations and thank you. Pretty good to hear. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you expect pundits to go out there and, and give stupid takes on, on whether or not this is, like, legitimate stuff like that. But you've seen actual elected officials. You've seen the governor of New York. You've seen uh, our great friend Beetlejuice, the mayor of Chicago. Oof, that was um, hard to watch. And, and then, of course, the governor and, and, and potential Democrat presidential candidate Gavin Newsom of California just go out and basically say like, hey, cool. I like that you guys went and did your whole like SCOTUS thing. But yeah, we're just not going to recognize that at all. He would be the greasiest president ever. Yeah, it would be pretty. Well, he's just gross. You know, so smarmy and psycho. He's literally. Yeah, he's. Yes. We're (laughs) going to get to it in news, too. But uh, 
you know, all these all these people are pushing Gavin Newsom because he's young, he's fresh, he's connected. He's done such a great job. He got more popular when he got recalled. Well, they, now that they have the gold standard of the Biden administration on how fast you could run the country. So there's only one person, I think, who's qualified to do a worse job. Did you say run the country or ruin the country? Both. Okay, perfect. And uh, it would have to be him. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, we're seeing, you know, these attacks and then these elected officials going out and just doing things that are in turn unconstitutional. Uh, we do understand states have rights, but when they say states have rights, it's not just like your governor or your elected officials are the kings of your state. You need to go through the voting process, even though we know it wouldn't probably do. Well, who knows? I mean, these these rulings are so unprecedented. Maybe, you know, there aren't an overwhelming voter base in, in California. Maybe they do want lawlessness, but they don't want babies killed. It, it'd have to see uh, through, through you know, the legislative process what, what they'd actually be able to get done here. So I, th- I think moving forward, we're just going to kind of keep an eye on it, but it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it, it's really sad to see those elected officials going out there and doing stuff like this. I, I don't think that... Uh, I've ever seen anything like this before. You know, like I said, you see the news go in and, and weigh on stuff like this, but but not from our elected officials. Um, I did mention how hot it was out there, and I'm not talking about the SCOTUS rollings. It was actually the temperature was well into the 90s, and we all know in, in places like uh, northwest Illinois, it gets extremely humid. Um, Donald Trump brought his A game and was not affected by the heat, but did have to weigh in on it just a little bit. You're going to like this one, Noah. And by the way, today it's hotter here than it is on the border. (laughs) In fact, do you mind? Because I'm going to go home and the first lady is going to say, you were extremely warm today. I say, well, it's 100 degrees out. It is very warm out there. Oh, he's sweating. A little dab here and a little dab there. And back. You're back to being handsome again. He's, he's more red than orange right now. Yeah. It is hot. Is everybody okay? Everybody have water? This was a really, uh, the, the crowd there was extremely interactive. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you all saw Dan Scavino posted that one uh, video this week where the crowd was just like in a thank you Trump It was like for two and a half minutes talking about those Supreme Court rulings. I mean, obviously, it's not good radio for podcasting, but uh, the things that are happening right now behind the scenes and and the things that that Donald Trump is working on, even still, um, everybody knows that him and Clarence Thomas have an amazing relationship. Uh, it's, it's good to see that these things are actually working out. Like I said, uh, the, one of the only legitimate ways we could push back on the Biden administration right now is through the Supreme court and where everybody continued to think that they would not rule in favors of things that Donald Trump wanted. Like when it comes down to like black and white, not racially, I'm talking about paper. Ooh, how dare me? Uh, the, these things are going to, uh, you know, set new standards in the United States. Secondly, uh, you know, we all know there was that ruling of the constitutional carry, which now applies in places like New York and California. That was another ruling from the Supreme Court last Friday. Donald Trump weighed in on protecting the Second Amendment because, you know, he's always been a big backer of that. Very much. We believe that every precious child is born and unborn is the sacred gift from God. We also had a great victory in the United States Supreme Court two days ago for supporters of a thing called the Second Amendment. Has anyone ever heard of the Second Amendment? I told you when I started my campaign that I will protect the Second Amendment, 
and nobody has protected it like me. Have you ever heard of the Second Amendment, Noah? Mm, it rings a bell. Well, President Trump, in, you know, parlaying off of that commentary on Second Amendment, talked about how law-abiding patriot citizens of this country, Republicans, conservatives, parents, Christians, etc., have come under the target of the Biden administration and the weaponized DOJ, as we talked about in extent with former acting attorney general, Matt Whitaker, um, instead of going after some of the uh, crime wave that has engulfed this country recently. Let's hear him weigh in on that topic. Instead of targeting Republicans, conservatives, Christians, and patriotic parents, the Biden administration should try going in and dismantling the Crips, the Bloods, MS-13. <laughs> How about BLM? How about Antifa? Mm. And the other savage street gangs who are turning our communities into war zones? It's as if we lived in a third world nation. This is not our country, what's happening. All Democrat-run cities. I mean, literally, you have hundreds of people a month being shot. And instead of taking guns away from law-abiding Americans, we should try taking them away from the gangs, the cartels, and the violent criminals for a change. Hmm. Kind of like the sound of that. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it makes that, sense, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the whole thing that is almost impossible to do, though. <laughs> well, it's like Attorney General Whitaker said... When you have the FBI focused on PTA meetings. Well, yeah, that's obviously true. Like, if you're going to actually go and target these individuals, then yes, you could get those items off the street. But when your FBI agents are assigned to uh, the mother's group who wants to go yell at some school board person for having weird sexual comics in their curricula. How dare you? How dare you? Oh, don't worry. He's going to, well, not physically, but metaphorically touch on that as well. Mm. It's, I'm glad you brought that point up. But, you know, like all these rallies, we have to talk about who they're for because these aren't presidential primary rallies. They are Save America rallies for the candidates who's running and the states that he's visiting. So for a minute and 45 seconds out of a near two-hour monologue. <laughs> they drag some guy up that <laughs> just yeah. woke up. Illinois House Representative, she's pretty based, actually. Mary Miller got, took the stage and, and touched on a couple of these things. Uh, the first one was, obviously, the decision from the Supreme Court. Today, we woke up for the first time in a post-Roe America. We rejoice and celebrate this historic victory for life, a victory for the unborn babies who have no voice, and a victory for those of us who believe in the Constitution. We owe this victory to the bold leadership of President Trump. He kept his promise by appointing justices who upheld the Constitution. Let's hear it for President Trump. I just want to put it on the record that she has quite a few Stan accounts on Twitter. So... She has a large appreciative base out there of nice. uh, yeah people who like to take her to task. She did also talk about what the, what the job at hand is. In addition to, to going to Washington, D.C. and pushing back on the Biden administration, it's getting rid of these elected officials who are America last. We've seen quite a few of them uh, all the way from the president down. And uh, she wanted to send a clear message. Let's hear it. Joe Biden has encouraged millions of foreign nationals 
to flood into our country, including terrorists, human traffickers, and drug dealers. My opponent, Rodney Davis, worked with Adam Kinzinger mm -hmm. to push amnesty for illegal immigrants. And they're working Friends, on it again. Amnesty is a dog whistle to amp the invasion up even more. Rodney Davis was the Republican spokesperson for Barack Obama's amnesty proposal. Our message needs to be loud and clear. Fire the frauds! Thank you. Mm -hmm. And just keep in mind, you know, you're listening to the show today. It's Tuesday. It is a big midterm election day. We have, obviously, Mary Miller up in Illinois. The Mississippi special election for uh, Mississippi 3. Michael Cassidy is today. Obviously, New York. you got tons of House seats there. In addition to that, you have the governor's race, which is coming down uh, today, Oklahoma, our great friend of the show, Jackson Lawmeyer, is is up in addition to, you know, all of the great House candidates we've had on in all those states. Uh, so, you know, if you're listening to the episode today in the car and you're on the way home from work and you live in Colorado, Illinois, Mississippi, New York, Oklahoma, or Utah, make sure you're getting out to those voting centers before you get home and uh, cast your vote for those America First candidates. Um, circling back to something that Noah was highly interested in is the uh, inappropriateness level of the curriculum that some of our kids are, uh, you know, being force-fed today in and via the public education system. Donald Trump actually weighed in on that, and he's made it one of the new focal points of his current Save America campaign, and it's talking about teachers and the uh, whole trans agenda. No teacher should ever be allowed to teach transgender to our children without parental consent. Got to have parental consent. When Republicans retake Congress, mm. they also need to crack down hard on Big Pharma for giving puberty blockers, can you believe it? And other dangerous drugs to mutilate minor youth. Can you believe we're even talking about these? Uh, puberty, who the hell? <laughs> <laughs> who the hell? <laughs> Love it. Oh, it's true. And, uh, you know, as we wound down the, the, the rally, he did get into some of those very specific things. I, I know Antoinette loves uh, when Donald Trump talks about this. It's the whole they're coming after me, but I'm standing in the way thing. He kind of framed it in a new way and, and talked about a lot of stuff that's going on. Let's hear it. Forget everything this corrupt establishment is doing to me is all about preserving their power and control over the American people. If I renounced my beliefs, which I won't do, if I agreed to stay silent, if I stayed at home, if I said that a corrupt election was wonderful, <laughs> the persecution would stop immediately. Truth. They'd yeah. say, good luck. Let's go on to the next victim. But I can't do that because I love our country far, far too much. And remember, they're coming after me because I'm standing up for you, and they're coming after you. Believe me, they're coming up for you. They're coming after you. There's only one true. There's a lot of truth in that. You know, they continue. He's not lying, obviously. No, and, and they continue to make stuff up on like a daily basis. I don't know if you saw Antoinette. It broke late last night. Uh, and, and it's kind of like a counter narrative to the whole SCOTUS thing, but uh, and they definitely want to get that tractor trailer with the 46 migrants that died, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, that they found along the southern border yesterday as well. So now there's going to be like an emergency 
evening session of the January 6th committee oh, uh, this perfect. week. And, and they, their new surprise guest flipper is uh, a... F- the dolphin? Close. He might make noises like that, obviously, and he's definitely going to clap his fins. One of Mark Meadows Jr. staffers now has... Oh, yeah. Oh. Has, yeah. Hey, okay. Where did he come from? <laughs> I think I tweeted the article with the caption, boring. Yeah. So. I know. It's, a, it's like, that's all you guys can do. Is like, like the best you've got. <laughs> it's such a joke at this point. Nobody gives a shit. No. Left oh, right Sasquatch was busy. Oh, we found Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But uh, yeah, that, that kind of wrapped it up for the rally. So let, let's hear Donald Trump take it out. A little bit of a different one. This is the, listen, fully off the cuff. His end of the speech monologue was interrupted by Mother Nature. Ooh. And uh, let's hear him take it out. Thank you very much. In conclusion, our MAGA movement, it's the greatest movement in the history of our country, and they never even talk about it. You know, if it wasn't, they would be on me all day. They've never said it. It's the greatest in the history of our country. There's never been anything like it. These are patriots that love our country. Together, we're standing up against some of the most menacing forces, entrenched interests, and vicious opponents our people have ever seen. Despite great outside dangers, and we do have great outside dangers, our biggest threat remains the sick, sinister, and evil people from within our own country. But no matter how big or powerful these corrupt radicals may be, you must never forget this nation does not belong to them. This nation belongs to you. This is your home. This is your heritage. And our American liberty is your God-given right. And thank you to the Supreme Court. Mm. From Chicago to Springfield, from Elmhurst to Evanston, and from Aurora to Rockford to right here in Menden. Mm. Hey, Menden, you set a record today with like by far the biggest crowd they've ever had. Population 40. This great state has always been the majestic monument to American spirit and strength. Illinois was forged by farmers and frontiersmen, workers, inventors, and engineers, and a roll call of American legends like Ray Kroc. I don't know about Ray. I'm probably 20 pounds heavier because of him. McDonald's. (laughs) Ronald Reagan. Charlton Heston. And, of course, the late, great, a man that not too many people know because they they want to silence him. They don't want him to be known. They want to take down his statues in Washington. He's a man named Abraham Lincoln. Can you believe that? I think a lot of people know who Abraham Lincoln is. (laughs) And remember I said three years ago, I said, Lincoln and Washington will be next. And they all said, oh, that's never going to happen. It's never going to happen with me, I can tell you that. Mm. We, in fact, signed a executive order that anybody that touches statues, monuments of any kind gets automatically 10 years in jail. It's incredible how quickly that's that. Remember, that was a that was a new fad. Let's rip down all the statues and monuments. We stopped it immediately. These Illinois heroes poured are incredible. They just went out and they poured their heart and soul to make America into the greatest nation in the history of the world. They worked to make 
America, the greatest nation in the history of the world. But it is no longer a great nation. It is a nation in decline. Hate to say this to you. A nation that is the highest inflation in over 40 years and likewise has the highest energy costs in its history. We have never had anything like what's happened with energy and energy costs. It is no longer energy independent or energy dominant like it was just two years ago. It's a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for oil. Mm -hmm. It's a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving dead soldiers. American citizens and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world behind. Noah's favorite. Mm. It's a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. It would never have happened with me, and it didn't happen with me. It's a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party mm -hmm. like never before. It's a nation that no longer has a free press or a fair press. Fake news is all you get. And they are the enemy of the people. It's a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant, where the economy is collapsing, where more people died of COVID in 2021 than in 2020. It's a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon would never have happened and China to use the trillions of dollars that has taken from us to build a military rival. It will be just a disaster for the world and perhaps most importantly, a nation that over the past two years is no longer respected or listened to around the world. It is a nation that in many ways has become a joke and it's a nation that is hostile to our liberty, our freedom and our faith. It is a nation whose economy is floundering whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked in the lowest quadrant of 45 countries, and yet spends more money per student than any other country by three times. Mm. But we are not going to let this continue. Two years ago, we had the greatest nation in the world like never before. We've never had greatness like that. It was hardworking patriots like you that did all of this. You built our country. And I'll tell you, so that you can continue to build our country, I'm going to get you out of this lightning, okay? <laughs> I'm going to get you out of this lightning. I just want to say, I love you. Have a good time. Go home. Get out of that lightning. We will make... America great again. Remember that. We will make America great again. Thank you. We love you. God bless you. Congratulations. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Illinois. Thank you. He didn't run off the stage either. He stayed to uh, do his thing. we all think a little bit of a newer message yeah he had to shut uh yeah. had to uh cut down his little ending i mean that's nice it's <laughs> lightning <laughs> i mean it's kind of scary you know energy Anything wise <laughs> yeah no you make a you're completely correct energy wise though i thought he was uh solid b plus a minus 
You know, yeah. Accounting for the weather. If somebody got hit by lightning, the next rally he did, he'd be like, the crowd was electrified. There you go. Probably the most electrified <laughs> crowd in the history of crowds. He would, too. And, and, and I he, knows, he knows electrified crowds. He's been around. And I know electricity. We'll probably hear the other side of the coin not too long. It's it's rumored that he's getting ready to go and do a rally for Sarah Palin and uh, Kelly Chewbacca up in uh, Alaska soon. Oh, that's kind of a little bit of a stake exclusive. I haven't told either one of you yet. Her campaign actually called me today after uh, months of trying to get in touch with them, Kelly Chewbacca's. Yeah, you're probably going to want to cut that music. Uh, no. What? They said they didn't have time to come on our show. Oh, well, that sucks. Excuse yeah. me, what? Yeah. Wait, they, they contacted us to tell us they don't they have time come. to come on the show. Very, very. They were, you know, very Did thankful you? for our thoughtful messages. Oh, you contacted them. I thought you meant they contacted us. Like, oh, I mean, I, they're in the the weekly email rung. I thought Tim, like they called you just to say, "Hey, we don't have time for your ass." Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was kind of a call back. And I just want the, you to know that we know who you are, that, and that that we know that you know that we know. You're gonna ask us that we don't have time. Ahead. It was, it was like a pretty weird phone call, too, because, you know, I'm talking to the person that's connected to the campaign, and they're like, yeah, it seems like you guys have really had a lot of good guests on your show. And, uh, you know, uh, they rattled off some of the names, and then obviously some of the, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Blake was on there last week, and Herschel Walker was on there last month. And I was like, well, yeah, we'd love to have Kelly. We've been trying to get hold of her for, you know, the better part of a year now. And they're like, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. You guys don't really understand how big Alaska is, but she's, like, either here or there. And I was like, well, okay, that's fine. I mean, she does go on War Room every week, but I guess <laughs> – that's just the way it is sometimes. Mm. So it's one of those things. Uh, I'm leaving it in. Listen, and you need to. We wish them all of continued success in the polls and health on the campaign trail. We need that seat. We are not appreciators of Lisa Murkowski. We need her out of there. Uh, Kelly needs to get her out of there. But it's one of those things where uh, don't count your eggs before they're hatched because uh, some of them might turn out to be rotten. And there's, mm. there's an extremely great and interactive listenership based on steak for breakfast and uh maybe we can get him to do a three-way call with warmer there you go hey listen if, you know i asked boris when he's coming back out on in july i'm still waiting to hear back from him he's so he hearted the message but hasn't given me a date yet we can ask him um but it, it's one of those things where uh you know there's very few candidates america first especially the trump endorsed ones who haven't come on the show i have the list on my phone and i go through it every week and we've hit there's probably like between governor senator and house race oh we forgot to get whitaker's endorsement Less than 10. Oh, he'll be back. Uh, I, uh, Eric Knight already said that she was glad that he had such a great time on the nice. show. So, But, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where, uh, listen, at the end of the day, if we could just funnel money into your campaign, that's, a, that's the goal here on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want everybody to come out, hear your message, your campaign platform. We'd like to get a little bit personal and hear some things about you that makes you different than, like, the other candidates that you just see in, like, let's say, say campaign ads. But, mm-hmm. uh, hey, if you're too busy... You know, I, I hope for, like, the people like the Katie, Katie Arringtons of the world and the Madison Cawthorns of the world, you know, people like that who, who run supposedly air-quoting now big-time campaigns. Listen, a couple extra hundred bucks, a couple extra hundred votes uh, get you over the finish line. So just keep that in mind to our listener base out there. And uh, for the ones who do come on our show all the time, we love and appreciate you guys, and obviously so does our listenership, yep. according to these campaigns. So Trump rally success. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, I, I thought it was great. He's going to be moving around. We know he's going to be in Arizona in the next month. He's going to be in Alaska in the next month. Uh, you know, there's, there's only a few primaries coming up in August, uh, those end, the end of the primary cycles ones. And uh, we just have to watch out because the, the attacks on all those candidates, you know, we saw it again last night. Carrie Lake went on Fox News. I don't know how the hell they lined her up with Brett Baer, but, uh, man, he got his ass handed to him. Whammy. I, didn't, I heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. 
Yeah, so they kind of went into it. It was like normal back and forth, but Brett Bear used the same blueprint that Rob Schmidt used. And instead of talking about like literally the campaign or any of the major issues, he wanted to talk to her about abortion. And she went with uh-huh. it for like a couple minutes and then boom, transitioned right to 2000 mules, which they're not allowed to talk about on Fox news. And he didn't know what to do with it. So after <laughs> they went back and forth for like, literally, it was like a 10 minute segment. They went back and forth for like a few minutes on this. And she was like literally kicking his ass. The only thing she didn't say is like, good job giving up Arizona before the polls closed, but she literally hammered him on everything else. And, and then he kind of asked her like, Oh yeah, it's like, a, you know, all this news that's coming out now about you like you know, being friendly with the trans she's like I was a fucking news reporter that covered <laughs> these events and he's like yeah but you have this like one really famous trans person saying they she's like listen you guys can go and investigatively journalize every single thing regarding this person you will never find receipts that have number one that person in my house number two me paying for these events at my house like that part of the story is completely made up did I interact with this uh you know, demographic, did I cover these events? She's like, yes, as a journalist who was given directive to go and cover these things, I did. She's like, this is just absolute trash. She's like, dude, you guys are Fox News and you're talking about this. And they're like, to be fair, we asked about some of like the controversial issues with your campaign opponent. And she's like, no, you didn't. She's like, I watched the interview again today that you did with her. They're like, you softballed her questions the whole time and you made it seem like she's leading in the polls and she's down by double digits. And it was like one of those things like, well, Sorry, candidate, but uh, we're just going to de- agree to disagree. And she was just like, you guys are pathetic. And uh, it, it was it was pretty spicy. So if you haven't seen it, it's all over our social medias. I've reposted the video a few times with either uh, quoted tweets or truths and uh, just the straight-up ones from Carrie Lake. But uh, expect stuff like this. You know, we've already seen it like Blake Masters. Blake Masters is like a little bit to the right of Carrie Lake when it comes to like his plan for the border because he's – at, you know, a congressional and a national level where he can push legislation for uh, an immigration moratorium, which means nobody comes into the country, no matter what. And, uh, you know, you have people like Jim Lehman, like, putting out article or you know, uh, smear campaign ads that say he's, like, open borders Blake. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Good thing that he flew to wherever Donald Trump was this week and recorded a nice endorsement video with him, which I posted on our social medias yesterday as well, so... You know, we'll kind of keep these Trump rallies. Uh, they're going to start picking up again. We'll, we'll be bringing them to you every time they do. And uh, we'll try to bring you some of the newest and our favorite material uh, every time that uh, he's out on the road. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is a California legislator fighting for our sanity at the Capitol here in Sacramento. Republican nominee for Congress, running for a U.S. House seat in California 3. Joining us for the first time, Kevin Kiley. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, the pleasure is all ours, sir. How's everything going with you? Uh, yeah, you know, going uh, going good. We just uh, made it through the primary in this uh, race for Congress, and uh, I'm still a member of the California legislature, so uh, fighting the battles uh, here at our Capitol. But uh, really, uh, these battles have sort of become one and the same as we see uh, all of the insanity uh, that's ruining uh, the quality of life in California uh, is now sort of uh, metastasizing. Uh, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi are trying to uh, sort of uh, do the same thing to our country. And mm. so uh, that's what kind of prompted me to run for Congress is to, you know, stop that from happening and uh, make sure that, uh, you know, these radical failed policies that are ruining the greatest state in the country don't also ruin the greatest country in the world. No, you make a whole lot of sense there. You know, we've been tracking you for a long time on the show. 
We, we talk about you frequently as one of the biggest state legislators here who have pushed back on the supermajority in Sacramento for years now. I mean, obviously, we can all see people who are in the political spectrum that know what's going on and have their pulse on, you know, all things politics, know that they're trying to prop up Gavin Newsom for a probable run uh, for the Democrat presidential nominee come this election cycle in 2024. So it, we're, we're at a critical juncture, and I think some of the sacrifices you're making now by taking the fight you've been doing at the state level and taking it to a national House seat is something that uh, has long been coming, and we're really appreciative of that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, have some uh, real momentum right now in terms of, obviously, uh, the national political environment, but I think even in California, you see uh, more and more people who are starting to realize that no, we don't need to, to watch our state get run into the ground, uh, that uh, that we can change things and it's not too late to do so. And I know you guys have been uh, a very strong voice uh, for, for getting things turned around. Yeah, we've, we've been working on as much as we can and trying to get as many of you guys on there as uh, possible to get your voice out to the listenership and get our help, you know, into your campaign. We, You know, I do want to stay on that thread a little bit. We do see a little bit maybe of a possible comeback or pushback from the people who live in California. Now, we just had on uh, – we're, we're going to have a Senate seat on the Republican Party on the ticket for the first time in 10 years. We haven't had a Republican senator in, I think, over 30 um, we, we had uh, Moisier on here two weeks ago. Uh, we saw Connie Conway uh, secure Devin Nunez's former seat uh, during the primaries. And, and now you, in addition to some of the other strong representatives we have here in the state at the House level, like Daryl Issa and, and people of that nature. So it, it's one of those things where uh, it, it seems like the people in California maybe have had it with a lot of these policies. Obviously, the newest and most fresh one is that we're, we're making California like an abortion vacation state now. But 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 a lot of the other things that have gone on from the you know ridiculous inflation here, we're probably at the highest in the nation. Uh, we all know how strong you were pushing against uh, the vaccine mandates and stuff like that throughout the course of COVID. You were one of the only people on the Republican side of the aisle who really was at the forefront of pushing back on Sacramento. And now, how are you parlaying that into like a national campaign? Yeah, well, in a sense, it's sort of the uh, the uh, perfect training because, uh, you know, uh, everything that Biden and uh, is trying to do uh, nationally uh, sort of uh, is already being done uh, in California. And this is not a coincidence. I mean, Gavin Newsom explicitly stated uh, California is a model for the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he told Biden. He said he wrote Biden a letter the day of his inauguration, a very delusional letter, several pages with six or seven pages saying California is the roadmap to success for your administration. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's worse that Newsom said that or that Biden seems to have believed him Mm. uh, in terms of the policies, in terms of the personnel, uh, in terms of the radical ideology that they're seeking to impose on the country. And so, you know, I've been fighting uh, against all of that here in California uh, you know, it's an uphill battle when you're part of the super duper minority yeah. uh, in uh, a state government where, uh, you know, the, the Democrats have their hands on every single lever of power. Uh, but we still managed to get some pretty good wins here. And, it's, we're, you know, where all of us together are building this movement. And I think that, you know, being able to go to D.C. and be part of a majority and try to take sort of fight with the same level of uh, tenacity, uh, I think that, you know, it's uh, I want to be part of what can really be a course correction uh, for the country so that we don't go down the same failed path as California. 
Yeah, you make a whole lot of sense there. I mean, you, you do see that blueprint kind of getting spread across the nation and a lot of those policies that the Biden administration, you know, America last policies in regards to trade. You've seen mass exodus from, from of businesses leave the state over the last couple of years, especially post-COVID when everything was opening back up and there was still going to be a lot of restrictions here. They just said, you want to know what it's not worth and I'm going to move to Tennessee. I'm going to move to Texas. I'm going to move to Arizona and get my business out of here. Uh, a lot of the COVID stuff is still lingering in parts of California. But the, but the thing is, we do have to talk about your success so, you know, we do have a flawed election system in California and the votes are still slowly trickling in. But as we're near completion of the uh, primary, which was several weeks ago, we're showing that in your uh, district now of California three, you were the highest vote getter there. Uh, I was, although, you know, don't tell that to the media because <laughs> uh, uh, the Sacramento Bee, the New York Times have uh, repeatedly reported that uh, that the Democrat finished in first, oh. uh, which is interesting because, uh, yes, uh, he did have the most votes on election night, uh, but uh, the votes in California take weeks and weeks to count. And sort of the same media outlets that defend the crazy voting rules uh, that cause voting to take so long and vote counting to take so long in California sort of immediately forget about that and just sort of announce that the result, whatever it is on election night, that is the end result. So there's there's some irony there. Uh, but uh, now that just about all of the votes have been counted, uh, yes, I was very happy with the result. Uh, won the primary uh, for the Republican nomination uh, by over 50,000 votes nice. and uh, ended up being the top vote getter. And I think we have a really good chance uh, to win the seat in November. Yeah, speaking of winning the seat, the, the, you know, one of the things is, so Joe Kent is a regular on our show. He comes on about once a month. We've had a great relationship with him, and he's running an amazing America First campaign, much like yourself. They are under the same problems in Washington State that we have here in regards to elections, and it's the jungle primary to where if, you don't, if you're not in the top two vote-getters, regardless of political affiliation, you may have, like, Republican, Republican, not really in California, but usually Democrat, Democrat. You've proposed legislation at the state level to, to help kind of rectify that situation. Obviously, it's been pushed back on hard because it's one of the ways that Democrats maintain their mafia up in Sacramento, but how important is it to kind of fix these voter things to where, like, the actual constituents can have a two-party system that runs an election so the voice of the people can actually be reflected in the outcome of the people that represent them at the state level. Yeah, it's really important. And, you know, the top two primary has been a complete disaster, a completely failed experiment. It's just put a lot of the things that were already wrong with the way politics works in this state. It's taken them and put them on uh, steroids. You know, it's, as you say, it disenfranchises Republicans mm -hmm. or occasionally Democrats, too, uh, when you have two members of the same party uh, that go through to the general election. It disenfranchises independent and third party voters uh, do, who don't have an opportunity uh, to vote for uh, a candidate of their choosing <clears throat> on the November ballot. It's also led to this just absurd gamesmanship by political consultants where, you know, they try to basically select their opponent. You see this has happened in many races just on this last, uh, in this June primary, where uh, the Democrats would come in and try to prop up uh, who they thought would be the weaker Republicans, sometimes spending hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to do so. I mean, it's all just become this, uh, you know, uh, this total farce. Uh, and so it's now been 10 years since we implemented the top two primary. And so I've introduced legislation to say, let's take it back to the people of California. They can render their judgment as to whether they want to continue this experiment. Yeah, and it's one of those things you see a lot of people, especially in the major cities, maybe not so much as in San Diego. However, we did flip mayors in the last election cycle, and we have seen an uptick in crime, an uptick in, you know, the opioid crisis and homelessness down here that we hadn't seen under the last, you know, several years under Kevin Falconer down here in San Diego. And that's just moving it towards what the rest of the state looks like in places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, obviously parts of Sacramento as well. 
and it's one of those things to see you really wanting to go into the beltway and, and work on national level things that can affect how, you know, this state can get back on the right track. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the biggest campaign pillars of your agenda. Obviously, you received the Trump endorsement back in May. Uh, so you're running on an America first campaign. Obviously, you want to help make California great again. What are some of the biggest things that you're running on right now that are really resonating with the people in California that they know you could work on at the federal level? Well, inflation is number one, and it's something that Californians have gotten familiar with uh, even before uh, you know Joe Biden uh, took office and, and created this record level inflation. As the cost of living has been so outrageously high here for so long, and even now, uh, you know it uh, it's way higher than the rest of the country. I mean, gasoline is five dollars a gallon nationwide. That seems like a bargain here in yeah. California. Uh, right with what we're paying. So <clears throat> tackling inflation, tackling gas prices, making America energy independent, stopping this just out of control spending that has uh, created the inflation in the first place, reactivating our workforce so that people actually, uh, you know, don't feel like it's more profitable to stay at home and collect unemployment checks. <clears throat> These are all the sort of things that I think need to be number one. Uh, in terms of uh, the economy, uh, and that's what's on the mind most of voters. But, you know, there are so many other things I put uh, securing the border and dealing with these rising crime rates, this total surge in crime uh, is certainly uh, very high on the list as well. Yeah, we had former acting attorney general Matt Whitaker on the show earlier, and he talked about two of those things right now, how crime is spiking throughout a lot of the major cities uh, throughout the country based off of, you know, radical mayors, district attorneys. I mean, you've you've saw over the weekend some people like the governor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, and of course, Gavin Newsom go out there and just, you know, say that their states or cities or, or whatever is not going to adhere to the rulings of the Supreme Court. And, and it's one of those things where it's just so counterproductive to where this country needs to go. Meanwhile, parents can't, you know, pay for their kids. Uh, you know, summer programs or have to quit jobs because they can't afford childcare or gas up their tanks to go back and forth to work. We're, we've really seen some unprecedented uh, crises in this country right now, especially down at the southern border, which is just completely out of control. And that's contributing on so many different levels, not only to all the migrants that are being allowed into the country, but the human trafficking elements. And then you have, obviously, the fentanyl crisis, which is out of control and does affect a lot of the major cities, especially in California. Uh, yes, absolutely right. I mean, there are so many different dimensions to it, but uh, the human trafficking, uh, you know, the and the drugs uh, are a huge component of why uh, this open border policy of the Biden administration uh, is so problematic. And the idea that he wants to roll back Title 42 yep. uh, is just beyond belief. That's like been the only thing uh, that's preventing a just complete flood of illegal immigration. Uh, but uh, the fentanyl crisis has reached just uh, unbelievably tragic uh, dimensions. You know, uh, it is uh, leading to uh, just, uh, you know, rates of, of death and that we wouldn't have even thought, you know, were, was imaginable not that long ago. Uh, when you look at San Francisco, they had twice as many uh, deaths from fentanyl or drug overdoses as they did from COVID uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and there is absolutely no doubt uh, that the open border created by the Biden administration has exacerbated this problem. Yeah. Well, you make a whole lot of sense there. Kevin, the last thing I want to touch on is like, obviously, we're focusing on the general election now. What are some of the things that are really going to separate you on the ticket from your uh, general election opponent right now? Obviously, I'm thinking he lines up ideologically with a lot more of Gavin Newsom and then the people over in the Beltway that uh, are aligned with the Biden administration than you. But uh, what are some of the things that he thinks, uh, you know, separates him from you in, in regards to uh, being a more favorable candidate? 
Well, I'm running against a Democrat. Uh, His name's Kermit Jones. He's been handpicked by Nancy Pelosi Mm. uh, to run for this seat. And he will, you know, uh, obviously his goal is to uh, be elected and help uh, the Democrats maintain a majority and keep Nancy Pelosi as speaker and enable the allow the Congress to continue to enable uh, Joe Biden's uh, radical agenda to make the whole country uh, fail in the same way as California is failing. Uh, I have a fundamentally different set of priorities. I want to have a Republican Congress, a strong Republican Congress with the majority where I want it to be an active majority, where we take action immediately to hold the Biden administration accountable, to use the full investigatory and oversight powers uh, of the House of Representatives to hold him accountable and to immediately set forward uh, legislation that will uh, move the country in a different direction when it comes to inflation, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to crime. So really, you could not have a clearer contrast uh, in this race. And I think that, you know, uh, where I am at is a lot more where voters are at uh, than than where he is, because people see uh, what is happening to our state, what is happening to our country. And there is a desire for change right now like I've never seen before. Yeah, I certainly uh, don't disagree with you. I mean, like I said, we did see some primary successes from places that we usually don't see them, like at the Senate level in California. Obviously, you becoming the uh, top vote getter in your primary race, and and a couple other ones that were slam dunk for for America First conservatives out there. And it's uh, it's great and refreshing to see someone who's lived through all this. You know, I've lived here for about twenty five years, Noah his whole life, and uh, we'd really like to see this state get back on track. And it starts at at getting those elected officials into D.C. and and you know bringing back national policy that are for the citizens first and not for, you know, crime first and and open borders first and money for Ukraine first. Well, absolutely right. And uh, I think that, you know, this this year can actually be a uh, a really uh, important one. This is the one of the most important elections I think we've ever had in terms of midterm elections, uh, given what has been happening to the country uh, and given the alternatives that are before us. And so, uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm excited to have the chance to to run for the House uh, in this particular year. And I'm excited about what we can accomplish uh, if we win. I like it. Congressman, we want to be able to direct as much as our listenership to help out your campaign, not just for boots on the ground in California, which I'm sure you, you need help with as far as actual physical volunteers, but to our national listenership, we've conditioned our audience to no longer donate to the RNC, to the GNC, to the people who, who uh, you know, don't really do anything and, and Washington, D.C. in regards to these national races. We find the candidates that best identify with the America First principles, and we direct our listenership to donate there. So any social medias or campaign website? Yeah, I really appreciate that and would uh, really appreciate your help. We've built a citizens grassroots movement that has, uh, you know, powered this campaign uh, and sort of defied expectations every step of the way. Uh, and so if folks want to join and help out, uh, my website is just electkevinkiley.com. Uh, I'm Kevin Kiley, you spell it uh, K-I-L-E-Y, and it's just electkevinkiley.com. We'll live that live link that in the show description today and of course kevin we're going to look to have you back at some point between now and the general elections to uh give our listenership a little update on your campaign and anything else that you might need to uh help you get over the finish line in november of course i'd love to uh that'd be great yeah it's been our pleasure this is the california legislator america first candidate running for congress california three kevin kiley thanks for coming on steak for breakfast my pleasure thank you all right so some of the biggest fallout from over the weekend was uh Obviously, the meltdown that the radical progressive left has been having in regards to the Roe v. Wade decision, uh, which sent it back to the states and uh, ended all federal protections for it, which essentially changed nothing, except if you live in super base states, one of which we don't. But uh, we can appreciate from afar the ones that, you know, do. Like we talked about on the show last week, as the decision was coming down live, the uh, the 
Attorney General of Missouri was signing legislation into law that essentially ended protections for people in that state as well. So good for them. Um, of course, MSNBC and fake news CNN took to the airwaves this weekend to cry about it. And we're going to bring you some of the best choice cuts. Obviously, not this one, but the next one is going to be one of the most disturbing clips you've ever played on the show. But let's get into this one first. One thing that uh, uh, friends of mine, pro-life uh, friends of mine, conservative uh, uh, lawyers of mine uh, and, and others uh, underlined, it's not, it wasn't just the holding uh, taking away a fundamental right over the past 50 years. They found the tone to be confrontational. And anyone who has followed the Supreme Court, anyone who has read constitutional law, knows that most justices, especially in landmark decisions, bend over backwards to explain how this is not a radical move. This is this is we are moving forward and we're moving in the direction uh, that this country has been moving in. And we understand their problems. But this is and they'll round off some of the harsher edges. They will give something to their opponents, uh, their their legal or ideological opponents. There was none of that there. I've got to say more than any Supreme Court decision I've ever read uh, it. It it was uh, even the language. There was a violence to the reasoning. We win. You lose. We're taking away these rights and there's nothing you can do about it. I please. If somebody disagrees with me, please let me know where a court has overruled uh, a, a right that's been in place for 50 years and done so in 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 such uh, such an aggressive manner with absolutely no grace and absolutely uh, no outreach to their legal or ideological opponents. Michael, right? Get him, Antoinette. Since when did they give a fuck about anything that like how we felt about anything? For one, two, what what are they? What is he even talking about? Like, what was such a travesty? What did they say that was so, um, like, not, you know, considerate? I don't get it. Nothing that I've seen. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys see something I didn't see? No, I mean, even some of the, you know, and I've read through a majority of the 213-page brief, even some of the, like, what would seem as, like, sarcastic or snarky portions of it is, is literally regurgitated paraphrasing from some of the things Ruth Bader Ginsburg weighed in right. on. Like she always said, this was a really bad ruling and it always has been. She exactly. al- but she always said, I'm just not going to vote on it. Right. So, so that was kind of like the whole premise for her. And but they'll uh, ignore that though. They'll come, they, they, you know, they'll glorify her and turn. She's like their God, but they'll completely ignore the fact that she agreed that it was not a good ruling and it was bad. It's to me, it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah. And like I said, the, the the rhetoric would continue, and and by that spiraling downward is what I mean. Um, yeah. On fake news CNN this weekend, they had a panel discussion. Uh, a portion of that panel was with Anna Navarro. I don't know if you guys heard oh, this one my yet. Word. This is probably some of the most disturbing. And believe me, we played some whoppers on this show. But listen to her talk about some of her family members here. Oh no. The, the mother okay. before, during, and after yep. the child. And I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially, emotionally, physically 
for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter mm. who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And their mothers and, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they've considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help, because that's how lonely they feel, because they can't get other jobs, because they have financial issues, because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers. And so why can I be Catholic and still think this is a wrong decision? Because I'm American. I'm Catholic inside the church. I'm Catholic when it comes to me. But there's a lot of Americans who are not Catholic and are not Christian and are not Baptist. And you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Nobody does. Ladies, uh, obviously it's a very emotional topic. I hear you, I understand that, and I think that, uh, Anna, thank you for sharing all of that, and I appreciate you pointing out that it's complicated beyond- Thank you for sharing all of that, I don't know. Like, you fucking psychopath, you degenerate piece of shit, I'm sorry. Apologies for people, but what's the point what, what was the point that she, she was trying to make, that those people that she mentioned in her family that have disabilities should have been aborted? Or even that, like, they should, I mean, be, they should be dead now. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, their life is not, like, who the hell are you to decide, for one, two, Catholic or not, science is science. You know, you, you can't just sit here and it's like, okay. It, it, it's A lot of people made the argument, it's like, okay, like, if they were just reasonable about you know, or made like, you know, had like a limit of where they would want abortion to, you know, to, to, to stop. Like, when is it too much? When is it too far? They, they wouldn't, they would not even compromise in any which way at all. And you saw what happens when you will, you give them an inch, they take a freaking mile and then they take a hundred miles that they, they're even saying that a child after being born is better off dead is better off dead because, oh, the mom can't, you know, take care of it. There's no resources. Like, seriously? Like, where is your, where is the humanity? Like, people have become so desensitized. And a lot of good people, too, like, actually believe this shit. They think that a baby doesn't feel anything until it takes a breath. It's not a baby. Like, come on. Like, if a mother that is, full, you know, pregnant with a full-term child dies with the baby in her stomach it's counted as two lives right it's a human being like it doesn't make sense and like anna knows better you, listen bitch you can't fucking be catholic and for abortion end of you can't be a democrat and catholic end of this post vatican II modernism crap has completely diluted christians and catholics you know it's another infiltration of another institution that's very important the same that they've done with our government yep Period, point blank. You can't be Catholic and for abortion. End of. Period. Period. There's no wiggle room on that one. Yes. You know, thanks yeah. thanks to the Pope who's, you know, gotten really health declined over the last couple of years, especially since coming out of COVID. You've seen him in, like, wheelchairs and walkers and, you know, mm -hmm. canceling events left and right who won't. He's defiantly not stepping down. And uh, I think all it's doing is, is, is hurting. The, I mean, he's no longer really the, the, the well. spokesperson for so many people have moved away from, you know, what's going on in Rome right now. But the fact of the matter is he's not helping at all, especially at a time like this when we, we need, like, the church to be unified behind uh, landmark decisions like the one that came out of the Supreme Court of the United States last week.
I think that though, a lot of people in the church, like I, I see like a, like a sort of renaissance happening right now. A lot of young people, the younger generation is having this like hunger for traditionalism and, and they're, you know, they're doing their, they're doing their research, realizing how the church has been infiltrated, like yeah. our government, you know, that this Pope could possibly not be a valid Pope, you know, Benedict is, is, you know, it's not a, even a theory because there is evidence supporting that, you know, Pope Francis is kind of, you know, he was inserted, you know, mm -hmm. he's a Jesuit liberation theology communist and, you know, they, they, they remove Benedict so they can continue on with this agenda that they have going on with Francis. But I see that, you know, a lot of people are waking up and Catholics are becoming fired up and wanting to protect, you know, the traditional aspect of, you know, life, family, you know, and, and our faith. I think there's a war obviously going on on at all levels, sure. governmentally and, you know, spiritually, but. And one of the people who are at the forefront of that war, unappreciator of families and life, especially life after their last <laughs> suicide victim wound up to have hung themselves from a tree with a gunshot wound to the chest. Oh, it's obviously suicide. Former law school classmate of Clarence Thomas, Hillary Clinton was out making the rounds this weekend as speculation of her getting ready to announce her bid for the rematch against Donald Trump. Uh, weighed in on this as well and, and gave some commentary on, on Justice Thomas. Let's hear her. Justice Thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights, yes. contraception, and about same-sex marriages. But other justices have pushed back to say, no, he's really sort of on his own with that. Well, Don't he, believe that? Well, he may be on his own, but he's signaling, as he often did. You know, people, I went to law school with him. Uh. He's been... Glad he survived. A person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yes, this? Yes, the people he is speaking to, which is the, you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing. I wish I could just kill but them. women are going to die, Gail. <laughs> women will die. Look at her smile when she says that. Yeah, she's mm -hmm. gross. We reach yeah. out to Justice so, Thomas for a comment. We have not heard. Yeah, it was, it was pretty. How are women going to die? I don't understand. Nothing was made illegal. <laughs> this is what's crazy to me that... People, like, oh, my God. No, we're going to get into some of those solutions. Anymore. Like, how is it illegal? It's still legal to get an abortion, unfortunately. But how are women going to die? We live in a first world country, first of all. Second of all, people actually believe this shit. Oh, maybe if they start getting them back alley abortions, they might not. Yeah, that might be what she's referencing, the people going through unsafe steps to do the same thing. But, but, you know, just that's another manipulative tool because we found we found out, you know, due to research, some of the stuff that's come out to push back against this or corroborate with the SCOTUS decision was that close to 60 percent of all abortions now are done chemically. Mm -hmm. They're not done with the yeah. way, you know, you, you, everybody sees the video. It's like the PowerPoint where like the tongs go in, you take off an arm. Oh, so those, are awful. those are those are those are. But that that's kind of like a way that's not really done in, in most places anymore. So in addition to that, you know, you see some of the, the blowback from from Planned Parenthood, too, where. 
they're speculating that hundreds of Planned Parenthoods across the country could be shutting down in the next couple of years due to the fact of this decision. However, Planned Parenthood puts out in their annual thing that abortions only make up to three or four percent of their total services. So where's the disconnect there? We all know that's not true. No. And they don't offer mammograms. They right. don't offer any sort of planning. The only planning they offer is to kill your child and possibly keep you, you know, pregnant until you're far enough where they can harvest your child's organs yep. and stem cells. And that's why they might be shutting down because they're not going to have their biggest money maker. And there you go. True story. Well, they do a lot of contracep- contraception too, like the IUDs and all the other stuff. Yeah, you know what the contraceptive is, is, is abortion. Because <laughs> a lot of people don't take IUDs and uh, pills because they say, oh, you know, I can't take them because it makes me go crazy. It yeah, it makes me fat, hormones. gives me nightmares, yeah. gives me acne. No, we, we've, we've heard it all before. Uh, former Waste of Space from California, now heading with Randy Levine, the uh, Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Secretary Xavier Becerra came out this week and talked about, you know, formulating taxpayer dollars to increase tourism for abortions to places like California. Let's hear him weigh in on it over the weekend. Concretely in response to the court's decision to try to help women. Well, we're working with uh, centers like Planned Parenthood, so we are uh, restoring funding for Title X, uh, family planning services. We are working with uh, uh, supporters on the ground to make sure that we are providing services to women where we can. Uh, we are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that women. legally? Uh, talk to me later. Uh, we're I mean, that's do, a big question, right? I, I always tell my team at HHS, uh, if you've done your homework, then we have no right to do mild. And so we're going to be aggressive and go all the way. And I, I would tell you if uh, you're recording, so I won't tell you. So, uh, this is all on the record, yeah. Mr. Secretary. We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. What, say that again? We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. Transporting women to other states. Disgusting. Hilarious, though. At the same time, you see all these uh, companies that are, you know, woke companies saying that they're going to pay up to 5000 or more for their employees to travel to go get the abortions etc really they don't give a shit about these women's health care they care about their own pockets yeah getting back to have, work yeah and they don't have to pay for insurance and or, other family benefits paid parental leave and stuff like that you know you could you could get like a soup to nuts abortion for for an employee of your company let's just say you're in like okay missouri where they outlawed it now essentially uh you fly them to california back and forth you pay five thousand dollars and within 10 days they're back to work instead of like having the child to full term and uh you know going all the way to uh you know, half three quarters of a year of paid parental leave. It's 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 one of those things where uh, we expect uh, you know to see stupid shit like that coming out of this administration. And, and obviously, Xavier Becerra was like a number two man for Gavin Newsom while he was in California, and yeah. he's parlayed into that. To you know, he oh I can't say it on the air because you're recording, but we know exactly. Th- th- there's only one place where you're going to be flying people to to get this shit done, and it's going to be California. Right. So I think it was just pretty funny. Wasn't some of the stupidest shit we've heard this weekend, even though we've heard a slew of it. Uh, Kamal Harris sat down for a uh, one-on-one with uh, State of the Fake Union on CNN, and she said a whole bunch of awful things. I'm going to parlay uh, some of the comments that didn't make it to the show today off of these bangers that she's going to bring right now. When you think about it, in terms of what that means 
in terms of democratic principles, in terms of the ideals upon which we were founded, about liberty, about freedom. Um, you know, I thought about it as, you know, a parent. We have two children who are in their 20s, a son and a daughter. I thought about it as a godparent of teenagers. I thought of it as an aunt of, of, of preschool children. And a woman yourself. And a woman myself. Oh, yeah, one of those two. Wait, wait, and the wait. daughter of a woman. How dare she? And a granddaughter of a woman. <laughs> That's where her speechwriter went. Uh, a birthing people. <laughs> there you go. You know, she would she would go on shortly after to continue to make the comments, and she would get like all emotional and be like, you know, she went into her best Barack Obama, and she's like, just imagine, like a sixteen year old boy, what, being held responsible for his actions. <laughs> Think that? about that. She said yeah. that. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. You know, getting getting some girl pregnant and not having the ability to abort the child. Well, how about the many, the many 16, 17-year-old boys that wanted to keep the baby, wanted to do the right thing, and had absolutely no choice in, in the say? I mean, not even 16-year-olds, just men in general. But they have to pay child support for the rest of the kid's life for the most part. Like, it's just so crazy. Hey, yeah, you, know, you know what's a lot cheaper than, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not a proponent of it, but then a $5,000 round-trip ticket to California to get an abortion. Mm. $4 box of condoms at the gas station. Mm. Just imagine yeah. that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a uh, whatever that's... Uh, Have you seen those memes yet of these? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't me- even know what Tinder app... or I don't know if it's Tinder or it's like some sort of app. This is like 350-plus pound heifer. <laughs> post a picture like she like she's like the hottest shit on the fucking planet no sex for you (laughs) yeah but no 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 puts puts like in like you know like the alert emojis like you know like emergency vasectomies only will not give you anything yeah no 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 vasectomy no service wow (laughs) and it was hilarious though because honestly she got so roasted with that picture people were like the fact that she even has the audacity yeah, if you could be a stunt double for Lizzo, you probably don't have <laughs> yeah very much commentary on talking about whether or not you're going to be servicing the nation with any sex anytime soon. It's just so funny. It's like, it's it's jokes, man. Well, Tucky weighed in on this whole narrative that came out over the weekend, but he did a hard focus on a lot of the attacks that were coming on Justice Clarence Thomas. I mean, obviously, he's like, what would you consider him now, the, the, the black face of white supremacy of the Supreme Court? or how? Listen, the attacks... I can't believe some of the stuff. You know, you want to talk about the radical progressive left. One thing that they don't like, and they just result back to like a hundred years prior of just absolute racial ridiculousness and some of the stuff that like I couldn't even comprehend some of the things and and like pictures of tweets and posts Mm. on Instagram that I was seeing this weekend where just how like not only were they using these words, which are just so uncalled for in this day and age but the way that they were using them you know Noah made a couple examples in the beginning of the show and so did I in regards to how they were framed and stuff like that and it's just like man I'm you know this guy has remained utterly for the most part silent since his confirmation hearings and we've all saw the back and forth with Joe Biden back when he was confirmed but I'm glad he's kept his mouth shut for the last 35 years and he's dishing mm-hmm. fire now because he probably knew the whole time. Listen, it didn't matter if I brought this shit out in the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s. I'm bringing it out now when we're supposed to be like the most progressive country in the history of the galaxy. And the minute I do something that somebody doesn't like, boom, N-bombs, hard R everywhere. And it's okay. just like absolutely ridiculous. Let's hear Tucky weigh in on it. 
A majority of justices on the Supreme Court just voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Of course, that's why we're having this conversation. But weirdly, the Democratic Party is focusing on just one of them, the black one. That would be Clarence Thomas. Here's Lieutenant Governor of California. Watch. This decision is delegitimizing the Supreme Court. Who is Clarence Thomas? Is he my Saudi Arabian father who's going to tell me what I can and cannot do with my body, with what? my life? And that's what this is coming down to. So these people have a misconception about who is going to listen to that. There's the vax mandate lady whining about people telling her what to do with her body. Please. <laughs> Actor Samuel Jackson also went after Clarence Thomas with a racial attack. Quote, how's Uncle Clarence feeling about overturning Loving versus Virginia? Hmm. Loving versus Virginia, of course, Supreme Court case that overturned precedent. It held that bans on interracial marriage were unconstitutional. So Great. these are just racial attacks. Why against Clarence Thomas of all the six members who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mark Paoletta is an attorney, a close friend of Clarence Thomas. He has a new book called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words, and a film. We just interviewed him the other day. He joins us again tonight. Mark, thanks so much for coming on. So it, it does seem like so you had six Supreme Court justices vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. Again, you could be for legal abortion and still recognize that Roe v. Wade was an absurd Supreme Court decision that degraded the institution of the court and be against it. But why Thomas? Why are they going after one out of six? Because the left is racist, Tucker. <laughs> they you. expect Clarence Thomas to think the way a black man should be in, 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 based on the color of his skin. And Clarence Thomas, for 30 years, 40 years, has refused to do that. And they want to destroy him. And that's what they've been doing and coming after him. And the bottom line is Clarence Thomas doesn't care at all what they think. It's just so funny, though. I mean, if you compare the attitudes of the average black guy in America to the average white liberal in America on abortion, the black guy is way more opposed to abortion than the average white liberal. Yep. So why does Clarence Thomas have to have the same views as an NPR listener? And that's what he's been saying for 40 years. And it's the left demands it and they will they will go after him. But it is a great day for the Constitution, uh, you know, with 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 Roe being overturned, with with uh, the Second Amendment being strengthened, consistent with the Constitution, with religious liberties today coming down, uh, consistent with the Constitution. And it's all aligning with where Clarence Thomas has been for the past 30 years. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. He's he's been saying it this whole time, as you point out in your book. Mark, great to see you again. Thank you. Well, he, he's not lying. Uh, you know, it's, it's the radical progressive left is, is not racist until they don't get their way, and then they are the most racist institution on the uh, face of the, the planet. Switched. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's crazy to see, uh, you know, a lot of the meltdown, and that, that encompassed a lot of the uh, news cycle that, that went on throughout the course of the weekend. Now, we, we did get into the beginning of the week yesterday. Joe Biden's at a G Summit event in Europe somewhere fucking off at the back of the room, and no one's listening to him. So he was hot mic yesterday. He was talking with uh, French President um, Macron, and, and he was basically saying that, you know, Europe's capped on what oil they could distribute to the rest of the world, and Saudi Arabia is telling them that they can't drill anymore right now. So he's basically getting told no from all of his allies. Mm. Um, in addition to that, it was leaked yesterday that uh, Vladimir Putin has been invited to the G some G20 summit later this year, and he has accepted the invitation. Uh, some of the people that 
regularly attend are saying that they're planning on using it as an opportunity to tell him what they think of him to his face. Oh God. I, however, think well, I'm sure that'll work. Yeah. That, that, that won't go over too well with the former head of the KGB and, uh, yeah, current president of Russia. So <laughs> you, you already see the world starting to bend the knee. We saw Finland and Sweden were granted, uh, some stuff today in regards to, uh, NATO, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, so we're going to have more countries that are really, really close to Russia's borders joining NATO? That that seemed to have gone well for Ukraine. Yeah, that's just coming across the newswire right now. NATO leaders invite Sweden and Finland to become members. Applications pending this Wednesday. Um, they don't think that's like pouring gasoline on the fire? Right. It's insane. We can't do that with the price of gasoline right now. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so might, as well, might as well just be... Oh. Scissor me, timbers. Really? Out of all the clips we played today, you for me? Yeah, Thank you. Um, and, and in addition to that, uh, one of the things I saw, Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced, it's breaking right now on the show, to only 20 years in prison. What? Yeah. I was, wow, only 20. Yep. So she that, must have snitched on somebody. Yeah, that, that just came I across the wire. And, and whether or not we'll ever hear on who she snitched on, because according to everyone, there's no, you know. I get, Can there be at least, can we have one? Just give us one. One good one. One real one. One really good one that will lead to others, perhaps. And, and just... I don't want it to be a fake death like uh, Danny from Full House or something like that. <laughs> you know, I want, it to, I want it to be like a real perp walk. Like this was one of the, you know, high end, high roller, you know, customers of right. Maxwell and Epstein. Well, you just you have to look at it with how corrupt our legal system is. The fact that she's literally being sentenced to 20 years for trafficking sex trafficking right that's that's what the charge is basically yes and to no one and basically what it shows us is that all these people who are basically hollywood elites or whatever you want to call them because that's the majority of the people that were floating in and out of that island so to speak State, obviously. But they're being protected. They're being protected by politicians. They're being protected by the Justice legacy Department. media, the Justice Department, which has been weaponized against everybody else except for the people it should be going after. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you make a whole lot of sense, and, and, and you're not lying. So, you know, the last thing I wanted to talk about today very briefly was that, you know, we teased it when uh, Matt Whitaker was on early in the show is that there's now a surprise witness and an emergency reconvening of the January 6th committee, which is going on in real time right now. Uh, it's been revealed that former low-level staffer to assistant to the President of the United States, Mark Meadows, Cassidy Hutchinson, whose job duties included while she was at the White House. Um, she was a glorified receptionist. Uh, she was a excellent fetcher of coffee for Mark Meadows. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> this is a funny one. Kind of an inside story. You know the man loves his McDonald's. She was a glorified ketchup wall wiper. Ketchup uh, wall? Yeah, sometimes it, you know, gets on a little bit of the walls of the oval. Oh, on the walls? Yeah, you know. Well, you know he, he, he does a lot of the hand talking. So just, Noah. And he's whipping <laughs> the fry around. He's got ketchup on it. Gets on, like, that nice wallpaper. She would wipe off the ketchup. Mm. So I do have one clip. I thought maybe he was just, like, going full full rogue and just like tearing ketchup packets open with his teeth and like also a possibility. <laughs> yeah. But 
listen, you guys don't know about this because it's breaking right now. I've been trying to do the news and read it at the same time. She's alleging. Or he, he couldn't open them just by hand, so he was smashing them with, like, one of the little trinkets that are on the desk at the Oval. And be, be, <laughs> now you should garrison yourself for that one. All this time has passed. We've never heard anything about this now. Okay. This woman is alleging the big mystery witness to the January 6th committee, Donald Trump physically assaulted a secret serviceman. Oh, I just saw that while in his limo. Uh, I'm the fucking president. Take me to the Capitol and yes. tried to get steering wheel. Tried to, is that the one? Yeah. yeah. Tried to grab the steering wheel. Like he, <laughs> like he's in the fucking passenger seat. Like Don, absolutely what? not. He's Hilarious. like 10 feet away from the fucking wheel at all times. He tried to grab it. You think he had one of those closet pickup trash? No, he had one of those like, I was uh, literally just going to say that wrong. <laughs> he was whipping one of those like sticky hands. The jelly it. hands that stick to you. <laughs> Oh, my God. Maybe it's, that's it's how funny. ketchup got all over the car. All they fucking got. It's so funny. It's in, so our, funny. in our last audio clip of the day, let's hear a brief portion of her testimony. Once the president had gotten into the vehicle with Bobby, he thought that they were going up to the Capitol. And when Bobby had relayed to him, we're not. We don't have the assets to do it. It's not secure. We're going back to the West Wing. The president had very strong... A very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. Oh, God, not irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not <laughs> going to the Capitol. <laughs> Stop. Mr. Trump then used his free hand to lunge towards Bobby Angle. And Mr. when Mr. Renato had recounted this story to me, he had motioned towards his clavicles. Ah, his clavicles. Oh, so this, this was... You know, this doesn't sound rehearsed at all. This sounds like a really fucking bad audition. And I've seen many in my lifetime for like an American television. Wait, so is she is she telling this story third hand? Is that what she just said at the end as he recounted the story to me? Like, y yes. Like, so yeah. she she didn't witness this. She's just talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, so regardless, if he did want to go to the Capitol, I could see that. Okay. No, I mean that's. Does that mean that he was going to be like trying to lead an insurrection? No. It means he was going to try to go and see what's going on right. and, you know, maybe if calm people true, down. Why didn't they have the Secret Service agent testify? Why this Why this woman? And why did, did, it, why did it not come out now? It's just... Well, it, I know. Obviously, yeah, it's coming out now of all times, just like everything else. Like, you know. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see what... I mean, I hope it's not just for the tractor trailer of dead migrants. I hope there's, like, a real, actual Biden-level disaster which we've become so accustomed to that they're right. trying to get this ahead of the Exacts, yeah well what, what, <laughs> what, what, what kind of car are they in like they're in they're in one of the beasts they're like the beasts. suvs yeah. right can you even get to the steering wheel from the back of one of those isn't I there mean, like yeah. isn't there like bulletproof glass or some shit in between the driver and him there's so many uh like, scenarios i'm playing out in my head about this one down. <laughs> Me too, I like like he's just like climbing through like the little window in the taxi, like <laughs> trying to grab the wheel, lunging at people. I I, I just I'm not seeing it. Not enough assets. Yeah, right. <laughs> For oh. him at the time. 
No, I like it. And uh, it's definitely something we're going to be keeping an eye on as we uh, continue to, well, if we're talking about limos, roll forward with this narrative now. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, great show. Good way to start the week. Coming back off a busy news weekend. And uh, if you'd like to catch up on all the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you could find us on every major downloadable podcasting platform. Look for us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podatta, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, and now on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our two amazing guests today, former Acting Attorney General of the United States, Mr. Matt Whitaker, and current America First Trump-endorsed U.S. House candidate running California 3, Kevin Kiley. In addition to that, some of our internet friends, Cagbro88, Patriotic Babe Accounts, Mr. Garbaggio, Hugh White Memes, Christina Bob of Save America, and Tom Papper, the Editor-in-Chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out and uh, throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you're helping make small American businesses great again. My pillow, Cancelled by Walmart, though we must prevail. Big, big savings when you enter promo code stake at checkout. Get down there. Oh, you want a teaser? This is one part that wasn't in the rally that I want to include. Guess what's coming down the pike? My coffee. What? Yeah. And you're going to get big, big savings on that when you enter promo code stake at checkout coming soon. MyPillow.com forward slash stake is the website. You can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related can be found at Odyssey. Over the ear, inner ear, headphones, speakers, etc. Get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready, gear holsters. Who doesn't want a picture of Clarence Thomas belly laughing on a concealed carry <laughs> yeah, Kydex holster? That's a really good idea. Or even they'll do the Bane mask one for you as well. <laughs> what if somebody was just like actually making all these holsters and then just like sent us a picture of their collection one day? It'd be great. Listen, if you get a Stay Ready Gear holster, send it to uh, us and we'll throw it up in our social medias oh, and yeah. tag you guys. Uh, StayReadyGear.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Meat is more delicious when you buy it, shake it, sprinkle it, rub it, slow cook it. Last night I actually made pulled chicken in the slow cooker with some man rubs. Put it on barbecue sauce. My son requested Hawaiian rolls and went right in our mouths. Num, num, num. Thank you. West Coast Survival Arms. Mike's got a pretty easy equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love the gear they've got going on down there. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Mediocremedic.com is the website. And the home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Dumpbox.us. Don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. We're going to do a little standalone recording of Jorge Ventura this week and add it to the show. That guy's been busy. I saw him uh, waiting in the river in Mexico yesterday with all the migrants trying to do a couple interviews as they're trying to illegally come across to the United States. In addition to that, we're going to have a conversation with Vish Burra. Nick Adams will be joining us for the first time. Guess what? I just scheduled this one this morning. Guess who's going to come in and do the news with us? He's loud. He's proud. He's my crispy. Nice. Yep. When you said loud, I knew it was my crispy. Of course you did. Monica Daly Cruz will be here on the 8th of July, and we'll be joined by Alex Brusowitz, who's 
killing it right now with J6 commentary on Twitter. Nice. Garrett Ziegler is going to join us on the 15th. Somewhere in between there, we've got uh, Eric Greitens and Mike Collins. They're just going to lock in dates. I should have them for you all by Friday. Friends of the week, let's go Brenda. Silent Meme Jordy, Mostly Peaceful Memes, Grand Old Memes. Who else? Mm. Drawing a blank right now. So yeah. many memes out there. Not Far Out had a pretty good one. John Hacker, L.A. Uh, let's go Madam America and Baby Cakes 2.0. Guys, thanks for remembering between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Can't be more important than uh, coming well prepared to uh, fight the battles that we're fighting right now. Number two, start a podcast. There's a little bit more edits than usual today, but I think Noah can handle it. Yeah, a little OPSEC. <laughs> Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about American greatness enough. We talked about it a lot today because President Trump had a rally. But let's start talking about American greatness. Uh, and last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. Guys, this has been episode 147 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back on Friday with Vishbura, Jorge Ventura, Nick Adams, and Mike Crispy. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Antoinette? Hi, guys. Excellent job as usual. Guys, thanks for listening. And take care. of all, dude, you don't have an accent. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't afford it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter, fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Market eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Market zero next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Market eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just... Hey, man, it's smoky, so his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't... Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smoky, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame an eight, you're entering a world of pain. I'm not... A world of pain. Look, dude, I... This is your partner. Is the whole world gone crazy?! Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Market zero! They're calling the cops, man. Put the piece away. Market zero! Walter, put the piece away. Walter? You think I'm fucking around here, market zero? All right, it's fucking zero. You happy, you crazy fuck? The league game smoke.